0: Up next, the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show
1: with Snowden Bishop after this message. World Expo is a free online cannabis industry symposium with 24 industry experts broadcasting live from four continents, April 4th and April 11th. Break down the barriers of social distancing and connect with the global cannabis community Be a part of history and get answers to questions like how do I increase business online? Can the industry survive and thrive online? Register for free today at cannaworldexpo.com.
0: And now, it's
1: time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop.
0: Hi, and welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. I'm Snowden Bishop. Thank you for joining us. On behalf of all of us at The Cannabis Reporter, I wanted to start off by expressing our deepest condolences for everyone who has experienced the loss of a loved one since the coronavirus pandemic began. And to the well who are sheltering in place and the ill fighting to get well, please know we are embracing you in love, light, prayers, and healing energy. I also wanted to give a shout out to the healthcare workers and first responders who've been putting their lives on the line under harrowing circumstances to save others. We acknowledge your sacrifice, commend your courage, and appreciate your selflessness more than words can say. I know I'm not alone in feeling helpless. To say these past few months have been traumatic, not just for our country, but for the entire world, seems contrite at this point. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, it would have been hard to fathom how a virus could so dramatically change life as we know it when millions of people are infected with at least one of a dozen strains of flu in a given year without as much consequence to our way of life. I mean, think about it. In the U.S. alone, more than 45 million people were diagnosed with flu in 2018. Tragically, 61,000 of them lost their lives. But while those numbers seem staggering, flu outbreaks are anticipated. And since they happen over the course of several months each year, they rarely max out our healthcare system the way that this one has not since the Spanish flu in 1913 has a single virus brought the world to its knees. Unlike other health crises like Ebola, HIV, and the Zika virus, which were contained by rapid, coordinated government responses, what makes the coronavirus pandemic so much more devastating has been the lack of transparency on the part of government officials, first in China and then here at home, and coupled that with the administration's painfully slow response. By the time the truth was unearthed by whistleblowers and concerned scientists began to sound the alarm, the virus had already jumped continents, making containment virtually impossible. Adding insult to injury, the incubation period of this particular mutation of the corona family of viruses is lengthy. So, unlike the common flu, asymptomatic carriers are unwittingly infecting everyone around them. So for many of us, the fear and uncertainty about this disease are only compounding the stress of coping with the extreme disruptions of ordinary life. It's no secret that oxidative stress can lead to inflammatory disease and is a factor impacting immunity. And left unchecked, stress can impede the healing process and make matters far worse when we're ill. That explains why so many people are experiencing complications and obviates the need for all of us to find better ways to cope that's where cannabis can help. To not only deal with the stress that can make us ill, but also reinforce our immunity and ability to survive the infection. That's the topic of today's show, and I am excited to bring back Dr. Judy Mikovits to help us understand why. Dr. Judy is a renowned molecular biologist who spent 20 years at the National Cancer Institute working with Dr. Frank Rossetti, one of the founding fathers of human retrovirology. With a focus on development of novel drugs and diagnostic technologies, Dr. Judy has directed programs on HIV, cancer, epigenics, and neuroimmune disease and published more than 50 peer-reviewed scientific papers on her work. Having stirred controversy in the scientific community as a whistleblower, her concerns about corruption in the pharmaceutical industry are well-documented in two books that she co-authored, Plague and Plague of Corruption, both of which are mind-bending reality that read like best-selling thrillers. Thank you so much for joining me again, Dr. Judy. I'm so glad you could come back on the show.
1: You're welcome. Very welcome.
0: You know, first, I wanted to mention that you'll be participating in the Canna World Expo, which is taking place this weekend. And I should also mention that you've just had a recent birthday. So happy birthday.
1: Thank you, April 1st.
0: <laughs> you have a very interesting perspective on what is causing so much death related to this virus. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it has more to do with stress than the actual pathogen. Can you kind of explain to me what you mean by that?
1: Yes, I can. You could argue that very few people are getting sick enough to be hospitalized or die of coronavirus or COVID-19, the coronavirus infectious disease. No, 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 no. They're dying of other things. Dying with a virus and dying of the virus is Totally different things, and this is being blown apart. Yes, I realize people are dying in in New York City and around the world, but they're not dying of coronavirus. Every year, many many people die of upper respiratory infections, and and, and each year we're told before this year it's influenza. So our Centers for Disease Control told us last year eighty thousand people died from the flu, and yet only. 400 of those people had influenza even in their body when they died you know, any virus, you know, um, these are RNA viruses. They're no difference from any other influenza. Sure, it's a little more aggressive. It's not more contagious. I I would argue it's the infection is not coming from without, it's coming from within. Every flu vaccine that's made carries coronaviruses. I'm just going to say it again. Every influenza vaccine that is made carries coronavirus because they're grown in bird cells, the chicken eggs, or they're grown in maiden Darby dog kidney cells. Dogs have coronaviruses. So I don't know where it's coming from, but we're, the, the, the disease, until somebody shows me through testing confirmed numbers, and I don't mean a swab and a nose and a sequence. I can pull anything out of that. It's these people aren't dying of coronavirus. Yes, they're dying, but they're not dying of coronavirus. They're dying with coronavirus. The virus doesn't kill you. The inflammation out of control, the oxidative stress out of control. You know, obviously we're all stressed worrying about whether or not, you know, our country and our world is even going to survive this. And and it's really not the pathogen. It's really not the virus. It's the you know, the overreaction, the fear. We, we, if you don't think oxidative stress and all pathogens are activated from all humans who are stressed out beyond belief because they're locked in their homes and they're afraid of something they can't see, they're standing six feet away from people. This is, this is insanity at the public health level. Um, we're doing far more damage by stressing out um, our entire world
0: so the pneumonia, and people are basically just drowning from the pneumonia.
1: But but it's pneumonia. How many different microbial agents cause pneumonia? Meaning, what is our Prevnar vaccine? 23 different bacteria that cause pneumonia in a single vaccine. Respiratory syncytial virus is another virus. Flu causes pneumonia. Um, There are um, tobacco pollution. Pneumonia is so much more than one virus. SARS means severe acute respiratory syndrome. This is clearly a virus that's evolved from SARS-1. That's why we call it SARS-CoV-2. But you're not going to tell me this showed up in December or January was the first case in Wuhan, China, and it spread to 110 countries in a month. That's not how viruses work. So there, and and it's not, and, and certainly not through the air. Um, This is not what we're being told it is, and there is no data to support it. What there is data to support is that cannabis therapies and natural product therapies like vitamin C and things that drive the type 1 interferon pathway, like certain cannabinoids, a way I call cannabinoids the dimmer switch on inflammation. So uh, we have a natural endogenous body system that says, wait a minute, the flame is too high, lower it. And that's what CB2 modulation um, and CB1 modulation can do, can stop the inflammation. But the opportunity that we have here, and this is what what we work on, is because we can formulate cannabinoid um, whole broad spectrum and whole spectrum plant products from hemp, from other um, uh, modulators of the endocannabinoid system like beta-carophyll like different natural products from different parts of the world. We can do that in such a way that we can teach the immune system that, that the flame does not get too high and you don't do other tissue damage, that you calm what we call inflammatory cytokines and chemokines. They do the damage. They cause the lung fibrosis where your lungs go towards developing fibroblasts. We Dr. Rossetti and I, Dr. Frank Rossetti, my business colleague and I, um, his expertise is is an inflammatory, we call it a general, you know, TGF beta, transforming growth factor beta, key, key, key to driving fibrosis. So if all the environmental toxins overwhelm TGF beta in your lungs and you get chronically activated, you stay in a state where everything drives fibrosis. So what can calm that down? Oh, cannabinoids, transiently blocking the CB2 receptor, driving away from inflammation and towards that key type one antiviral, which is a key, and we've known it for 50 years, is a key cure for coronaviruses. And, and that's that's type 1 interferon. So we have many, many overlapping. And you type 1 interferon, you can 30 to 50 units. We have a natural, our endocannabinoid system, when the flame gets too high, that's the dimmer switch on our system. So by using a phytocannabinoids plant based cannabinoids to calm everything down as foods as as uh, you know even vaccination strategies to prevent injury while you're in the middle of an infection will drive towards type 1 interferon it's a, it's a key antiviral pathway, and we've known it for 40 or 50 years. So we can literally buy manufactured type 1 interferon, and at 30 to 50 units per dose, we can prevent and cure injury. That is, we can say, okay, everything's fine, and take advantage of that crosstalk between the endocannabinoid and the immune systems at the level of the flame-driving cytokines towards the, the healing interferon alpha shut off antiviral pathway your key antiviral pathway not only for coronaviruses which to me are a nothing because remember i worked my whole life with ebola i work with hiv i worked with the most dangerous rna viruses and and i have an underlying lung issue because i was born six weeks early as an identical twin So I'm always coughing. Um, So I can protect myself and I do so with the right cannabis formulations understanding as we do from decades of research in understanding how to modulate the expression of these key inflammatory modulators, the dimmer switch. And that's what we've lost is the value of the endocannabinoid system. So we can do it with plants, with natural products, with vitamin C, with glutathione, all these things that weapons are available to us and always have for this flu and any other flu it it, it's really it's really no different than any other year um, where we're so stressed out and we're and and you know it's it's a good thing don't get me wrong that we protect the vulnerable but we need to be put in the people who are already immune who are most of the people. This just didn't happen in a year. Um, this has happened over the last four years. So yes, people are infected, but no. and And we have at our at our disposal, the ability to use cannabis to heal, and, and that's where I see is the real value in all of this. That we can start saying, "Wait a minute, we have a new farm bill. Wait, we can grow hemp. Wait, we can we can supply this, and we can add other natural products that." tame the THC so that we don't have to have THC, the psychoactive component, we can just modulate the CB2 receptor with other plants, which we know triterpenoids and other terpenoids like in mushrooms and other products to build to build a, a, a plant-based therapy um, that is not only um, you know, protective from this infection, but can actually help you develop a natural immunity so that the next time you see a coronavirus, this one or the next one, you won't get as sick. You will, be, you will have an immune response. You will be ready. You will, in fact, be immunized by cannabinoid products.
0: See, that's so incredibly interesting because we know the effect of cannabinoids on the immune system. And in fact, mother's breast milk is laden with cannabinoids to help to build baby's immunity, right? Right. And that's just a fact. So I was really heartened when I heard that in some states, they're not shutting down dispensaries because they're considering those to be essential providers you know for people who are under this quarantine or stay-at-home order and that is really good but let's say you've got a family that's completely stressed out because there's like an elderly person living there or someone who's immune compromised living there. They're living in a state where they have access to cannabis. What would be your recommendation? How can someone build up the immunity of their family if they're purchasing cannabis? What should they buy?
1: Well, certainly you would not buy anything that you would smoke because you're parting that on the lungs. So you can't heal if you're adding stress to the lungs by smoking or anything like that. So if I were going to the dispensaries, I would be going to the grocery store at the same time, I would be getting lemons, I would be getting um, natural vitamin C, um, and I would be juicing cannabis leaves. And we here in California um, have, you know, there's a fabulous um, uh, product. Produced by a manufacturer called Verde Vita, and it's a cold press leaf juice. So if you, you know, if you go to the disp- dispensary, I would be getting oils in medium-chain triglyceride oils. I would be getting full spectrum. I would be to, to take advantage of all the natural cannabinoids of the plant um, and, and taking them sublingually. I would be going to Quicksilver Scientific, which makes a fabulous spray, broad and full spectrum hemp, and they use beta carophyllin which is a CB2 modulator, um, to get you that um, cannabinoid receptor 2 modulation. So I, I don't, um, as you probably know, I'm a consulting work two-person consulting company and we don't um we don't own or sell anything we just learn and educate people so i've educated we've educated ourselves over the last year so we have the cold press cannabis juice so you can juice the leaves find a good source a very clean source and make sure you're um that they're that they're uh, data sheets that, that show what the cannabinoid profile is and then then juice the leaves in your own juicer and and along with some lemons because the vitamin C also drives towards a type 1 interferon response an antiviral response so food is your medicine and and you know go out in the states where you can get and it's okay if you can't have THC. just just um. You know, go with some of the other natural products like beta carotene, which you'll find in um, black Pepper and some things like that. Use curcumin, uh, turmeric. You know, is with your spice with your foods. Hops, different kinds of hops have cross-talking cannabinoids. Linalool, limonene, some of the various citrus. If you see some of these grapefruit citrus hops, you know you can put all of that into a smoothie, and and everybody calms down. They calm the anxiety. When you calm the anxiety, you're not um, as. Immune suppressed, and you know, uh, stress is one of the most powerful suppressors of the immune system. We don't live in fear, um, a- except for the knowledge that we're wonderfully and fearfully made by God, and God made this family of sacred plants for our use, for our calm, to ease us of pain. We use bombs, we use skin bombs, um, and and healing, healing, healing bombs. To you can even put. Um, cannabis in menthol you remember mentholatum that you would put on your chest when you're coughing put natural menthol essential oil and cannabis as an oil extract in that balm and you'll drive it right into your lungs you'll open up your lungs and you'll be able to breathe again and calm that cough whatever the origin so there's there's so many things we can do like you said the, the young people who can go out and can buy at the dispensaries, you know, just don't buy anything to smoke, Um, which I would generally say essentially anytime, unless I formulated what goes into a vape pen, anytime you put smoke of any inhale, anything on your lungs, you're driving fibrosis, which would drive um, the pathogenesis of this particular virus because you don't want to stress your lungs.
0: Would the same be true of those home steam machine?
1: atomizer maybe? Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. You put your head under, like I've got a, a, a sinus formulation from a company called Pure Haven, and they make all kinds of natural product cleaners out of tea tree oils, natural antivirals, lemon, um, lime, and, and they make one particularly for sinus. So you just put, um, I forgot what they're called as well, um, but you you just put that essential oil in the bottom of that making a vapor or even your tea kettle and put a towel over your head like we used to do and just breathe in the leaves, just breathe in. So that's not smoking. Just inhale it into your nose. Just put, you know, put that right around. You can put the menthol right around your nose. Keep your nasal passages wet. You don't want cracked skin. You don't want a cracked throat. You don't want any inflammation. So no, no, You know, it's no GMOs, you know, just eat as clean, nice bone broth, chicken soup if you feel bad. You know, every single morning um, for years, I started and we're blessed in California because many of us have lemon trees in their yard. So I'll start out with hot lemon water. Just a real good, clean, pure mineral water with lemons, and I cut them in half and, and use a good old-fashioned lemon squeezer, and just um, and then just put the whole thing, pulp and all, in the skin right in the middle of that glass, and 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 drink hot lemon water. Clears the nasal passages. That vitamin C turns on the type one interferon pathway. I I sometimes do it with my fresh press. Frozen cannabis juice that I usually drink it down with something like V8 juice, with celery juice, taking advantage of natural products. So there, there's so much we can do. And yes, just that inhaler. If you're having trouble breathing, take menthol and cannabis oil and, and, and put it in that and essential oils from lemonine and linalool, which come from the lemon peels and, and lemon essential oils. And it's totally healing
0: that would be different from what happens in a vape pen. Explain to me why that can be dangerous. I mean, we've talked about this before, you and I a little bit, yeah. but when it comes to the particulates that are burning and then creating this vapor, what's the difference between an atomizer and say what happens in a vape pen? Because I think a lot of people are confused about that.
1: Yeah, so what happens in a vape pen is is that you've got things other than just cannabinoid oils or essential oils or clean oils because you need something to heat cause steam to heat it up at a a level, even if it doesn't feel hot in order that you inhale something. So I know, um, I know if I ever do, as I said, I do have, I was born with lung injury. So you can always hear it in my voice when I talk a lot. Um, and I cough a lot. I always have my identical twin does as well. Um, so, um, but a vape pen, I can't do it at all. It will make me cough. It's there's a smoke going through there. There are other additives, um, especially if you're if you're vaping something that is, you know, you don't know the source of it. You don't know if there are molds. You don't know if there are other chemicals, aluminums, and things like in in the paper. Those fibers go into your lungs, and they're extremely damaging inflammatory so you're you're cutting out any kind of value to your to of the the vape for your lungs by using what happens in a vape pen so in this time in particular and i and they always blame the vaping for in in the cannabinoid in the pens um but it's really it's really the vaping itself you real this is not you know smoking a plant changes it Heating something changes it, changing the structure through a vape pen, because that puts energy to the structure that changes it. And it's, it is not good for your lungs. And and I just, I really don't know the science of how they generate that smoke through that vape pen. But um, it's one of the, I, I know myself, if I vape almost anything, I've never found one, it burns my throat. And again, I'm one of the susceptible.
0: Right. And it's so different when it's just steam.
1: That's going through your nose. That's just moisture. And that's, you know, like those atomizers, that's taking a a God-given essential oil. And I'm sure just like the essential oils with cannabis and menthol, you put them together for a particular reason. And that steam just opens up your sinus passages rather than damaging them or inflaming them is a better word.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I and you know that was just such an issue when when these sort of illegitimate uh, or black market um, vape pens came out and people were dying from what was happening to their lungs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it wasn't the cannabis in the vape. Pens. Right. Bad name. A little like people dying from supposedly a coronavirus, and that's not necessarily what's troubling their lungs right now. So it's the same thing. Oh, you're dying from cannabis. No, you're dying from that practice and that vape pen and there are molds and we don't know where the leaves come through. We, you know, you didn't carry through everything all the way and heat up a, Heat up a mold, and you've got a You've got an interaction with a tri terpene, which could be deadly. Heating up anything changes its chemical structure, and that's why these, uh, you know, cold juice pressing of the leaves is extremely healthy.
0: Yeah, and as we spoke with Denise Mahaffey and Jessica Chandler a few months ago, right. um, what we discussed were the substrates that that yes. some of these leaves were grown in which the substrates okay. themselves made of cocoa core and all that came from sources that were just dubious i mean
1: contaminated yeah contaminated.
0: contaminated i mean the the process of taking that cocoa core and making it into a substrate you know right. they soak in sewage water and sometimes they soak in in areas where there's a lot of mold and fungus and or then that
1: or anything else that would damage your lungs
0: exactly exactly like so tape.
1: Roundup. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's really, you know, I I think that the coronavirus crisis that's going on right now is is just sort of a reminder that we need to get back to some natural basics and get into a more organic way of creating these these products and paying attention to what's in our medicine and our food and getting right. away from the toxic pesticides and fertilizers and all of that. I mean. And one of the interesting things about this global event is that when you look at what's happening to the earth, the earth seems to be breathing. It's like giving the earth a, a moment to recover from all of the carbon emissions and recover from you know, just some of the practices, I mean, and we're getting back to some real serious basics, you know? Right.
1: And it, that's what has to happen. Clean, clean, clean living. And I think the, the good news behind this is, hey, everybody's staying home. What, what more could you want? A paid vacation. You don't get behind whatever it is. And yes, I know a lot of people are suffering. I'm one of the ones who doesn't have a paycheck, but we, we find a way to love each other and we find a way around this and we'll grow a few plants healthy in our own backyard. We'll calm it down. We'll, we'll love and talk to each other and get back to basics and heal our planet, really.
0: Yeah. And one of the things about cannabis is that it does have that calming effect. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not using THC and getting the psychoactive effects of the anandamide in your body, even just cannabidiol is, it has a calming effect, it seems.
1: Absolutely. And- on the skin in a balm you know calm yourself put it on the back of your neck and just you know just breathe and it'll go literally right through the blood brain barrier and everything is calming so yes so many calming properties that have nothing to do with psychoactive THC
0: yeah and can you speak to nandinaide and And the positive effects that the cannabis plant will have and why anandamide is is such a good thing for your entire being?
1: Um, Yeah. So anandamide is the endogenous cannabinoid, the name for the endogenous cannabinoid. And your audience probably knows it comes from the Sanskrit meaning joy.
0: Just to interrupt you for a second, Correct. endogenous is what is created inside of your body. So endogenous cannabinoid system is the system that's inside your body, just so people understand that word. Correct. So
1: we, we make anandamides. So our body will produce those at times, for instance, as you mentioned earlier, breastfeeding. You know, mom and baby are perfectly happy. Mom's producing a lot of anandamide in the breast milk. So baby's not in pain. Baby's gut, you know, gastrointestinal tract relaxes. Everything's calm. Baby goes to sleep. Well, and and the unfortunate thing since 1937, when the plant was outlawed in our life, is and, and when we stopped the practice of breastfeeding when I was a child, it's like, oh, it's much better to get milk out of a bottle. So what we've done for now, three generations, if you will, my husband's 81 and uh, born in 1938. So his mother used to buy elixirs of cannabinoids from companies, from pharmaceutical companies, because until it was outlawed, that's what everybody had on the shelf. And so you got your pain oil or elixir. So THC is the vital the plant based phyto based anandamide so that's the that's the one that binds the cb1 receptor and the anti inflammatory cb2 receptor um, a little less strong so the best interaction is is with the the cb1 receptor the anandamide so we call thc the phyto for your endogenous you 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 don't make it as much anymore but i'll talk a little bit how you make it that anandamide and, and can produce a little bit more but the phyto anandamide is the thc in the plant so that gives you a calm that gives you a joy that gives you a high you're not in pain you sleep real well you don't you know think things like that you know um in, in in um, those examples I just gave with, with a mom breastfeeding her baby and delivering anandamide. Another way that anandamide is produced is hugging, is meditation. And what are we doing right now? We're we're doing the opposite. We're stopping the production of not endogenous anandamites. We're saying don't touch anybody. Live in fear of somebody that turns off the production in your body. So yoga, meditation, um, um, even even massage um, with with other essential oils can bring out the production of and that calm that comes out of you. And, and, and that's a lot of those experiments are showing that, that those pr- those practices like yoga and meditation and calming things are the result of, of your stimulating the expression of your endogenous, of your anandamite of your joy. So so we can we can take charge of our own life again. If, if we look at ways to produce anandamide, if we, if we, you know, and of course we can't do it right now. You're not allowed to do massage. Don't touch anybody. So, so all of the practices of the lockdowns and social distancing, this is stopping the natural, putting us in fear and anxiety, is not allowing us to produce the amandamide. So, take a take a nice warm bath and, and with with some sea salts and some bath salts calm, do practice yoga. That's going to turn on your endogenous calm in this hysterical situation we're in and you yourself can stay well. And that relieves the immune suppression and you'll make your own, you won't get sick. You won't be susceptible to any virus infection, including the the SARS um, coronavirus number two. So- do you think there are ways to generate the production of your endogenous anandamide, simple ways.
0: Yeah, that, that is absolutely fascinating. And, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of the medical doctors and social workers and people that are being interviewed these days are saying that one of the biggest problems with this entire crisis is that stress and, you know, they're advocating for making sure that people aren't completely isolated, that they're talking to someone or dealing with their mental health. So ananamide can really help with the mental health aspect of this is what you're saying, basically, right? right?
1: Calm music, you know, listening to fun music, laughing with friends is what we're doing now. And and yes, we're social distancing, if you will. We're There's only a few of us in, and we're a few feet apart and the table's in the middle. So yes, we're laughing, we're listening to music and remembering that song from the 60s or 70s world. At any rate, so those kinds of things, just even playing the ocean, which is, you know, my, my frustration of having the beaches here in Carlsbad California shut down from people. No, no, no. If I don't get that walk out in nature here in the ocean with the sun, with natural vitamin D and and grounding of my feet, I can't turn on my own anandamide. So I go out and I walk every morning with Dr. Rossetti as you know, and is a way to calm us down so we can all calm this storm and, and heal everyone. And you're exactly right. This isolation, and it's the wrong thing to do. We're, you know, if we can just stimulate that natural anandamide, we'll be fine. But if we can't, a nice broad spectrum as uh, oil from hemp, sublingually a couple times a day, a nice cup of hot lemon water and tea, a chamomile tea, just with your just go to sleep relax valerian some of these things which are so calming and healing
0: that's really good advice that's really good advice and then you know from the from the physiological perspective when it comes to the lungs and and the ways that the cannabinoids can actually stimulate the immune system to prevent the fibrosis in the lungs that leads to the pneumonia which is really what's killing people right um from this you know the virus is triggering something obviously yeah. but
1: the flame is too high
0: yeah right so so explain to me how the, and you, you really sort of have, but I wanted to just kind of drill down on this. So for people who are in the respiratory distress, who are about to go on a ventilator, what would you recommend in terms of cannabis and how can that help them in that stage?
1: Well, I would, I would be putting, I would be doing, um, as we, as we talked about with the atomizer, I would be inhaling menthol, you know, um, to open up the lungs as we used to use mentholatum as children. I'd be putting it on my skin in my lungs we may um we know of cannabis bombs so if you have a a bomb with coconut oil and a few drops of essential oil menthol and put it all over your lung tissue and you'll just start to breathe easier and then put that towel over that tea kettle or that atomizer and then just breathe in the, the lemon, the limonene, the lemon, lemon water oil with cannabis um, uh, oils, um, full, full spectrum hemp oils in, in that, um, in that atomizer, in that vaporizer, breathe that in and inhale that and put it on your skin and you'll, re- you'll open up your lungs and you'll be able to breathe.
0: And since cannabis is like banned from hospitals (laughs) and people who are on respirators and trying to survive that, is there advice you would give to medical professionals who are treating people who are on ventilators in that regard? I mean, is there something that would be legal in the hospital that they should consider?
1: A bomb with menthol. Really? Yeah.
0: Because I haven't heard of that as a treatment or that anybody's even really thinking about it.
1: Well, unfortunately the hospitals aren't the place to be. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Our medicine has been, you know, off topic for, you know, since 1937, there's, there's not a lot. I mean, yes, for the people who are awake and aware, the integrative, the functional medicine, people like that. Yeah, we can, we can get there with them, but, um, I'm sorry, the hospital I mean my husband has c o p d he you know if he walks in there, you know, I'm like, husband, don't go anywhere near any place, don't cough in public, and I just take care of him at home i mean it's it's unfortunate, but there really is no solution for the hospital because we can't get healing foods. I mean the foods are damaging the everything about a hospital where they're pushing. Vaccines and toxic ingredients, and um, things are actually more toxic to you. everybody's at more of a risk, so I bet I guess the best thing we can I can say is stay out of there
0: yeah, and I felt sort of alarmed to hear a couple of doctors talk about how the people who are being intubated are heavily sedated mm-hmm. and you know when they recover from that, I know that sedation, like any kind of anti-anxiety or anti-psychotic or all of those medicines really can wreak havoc on your system. And I know that cannabis is something that can successfully help your body recover from those drugs. Explain to me what people who do recover, they're no longer intubated, they've survived the pneumonia, they go home, what can they do to sort of get their body back into balance after having been pumped full of these drugs?
1: Yeah, I'd be detoxing with some of those juices, like the most fabulous detox is literally that we use it all the time here in California the verde vida um it's called verde vida um green juice and it's a it's again it's a cold press canvas juice it's one of the most fabulous detoxers of chemicals, all kinds of things. So that is what I recommend. Juicing leaves. um, If you can get the full spectrum oils uh, sublingually, that will slowly detox that out of your body. That's how you do it.
0: Right. So uh, this is great information. And if you had an audience of medical practitioners who are on that front line in the hospitals dealing with all of this, what would you tell them or how would you encourage them to use integrative medicine as part of their therapeutic response?
1: Well, this is actually what we do for a living. We educate the doctors. So I think I sent you over a couple of PowerPoints. from um, from various talks we've been in and we show them the molecular mechanisms and and we show them the doctors and the integrative specialists unfortunately with you know AMA and and most MDs they're just simply not open minded and you know if if you if you're not open minded and you don't want to be educated but what we do i mean and, and many, many clinicians and physicians do come. We go into physicians' offices at lunchtime and we show them. We give samples of, of the various juices and things and show how simple it is and how well their patients do. And usually when you show, and, I'm, and mostly I'm talking the sickest of cancer patients because that is my background as cancer therapy and AIDS therapy. And so we show how using cannabis, even with traditional medicines and chemotherapy, we can detox. We can we can have the patient respond to the medicine, and at the same time, um, clear the drug before it does side effects. Take advantage of synergies in medicines and food, and show them how to use food as medicine. And, and again, everything we've talked about today—the balms, the you know, the skin creams, the salves, the inhalation—the everything we've talked about is what we do with with patients and clients. So we go and we meet with the doctors and we educate on them and so when the doctors see their patients do well that's all they care about in life you know so it, there is resistance but when the patient says no i want dr judy and dr frank to talk to you and um and basically what we do is we bring the products in we know they're clean we show the the um, quality assurance certificates from every step of the process. We, you know, and, and most of what we use is medicinal. We rarely go in dispensaries cause we can't, we can't qualify the products there, but we do know good brands and we encourage doctors in whatever area and whatever state they live in. Um, where they can get good brands. And so when they see their patients recover and do well, you don't have to say too much more and and they're in the game and they learn more.
0: Exactly. Okay. So that's for the doctors. And what about for the lawmakers as they deal with this crisis to encourage them to be more open to regulatory reforms, Regarding cannabis, so that when the next wave of this hits, their states can be better prepared. What would you tell them? Give me an elevator pitch.
1: The elevator pitch is stop legislating medicine. (laughs) Well, I've been trying to talk to your lawmakers there in Arizona to open up cannabis as therapeutics and preventatives for any of these um, uh, diseases. And, And my elevator pitch is you know, folks, time to stop legislating medicine. And I'm sorry, but that's what we're doing. We're legislating medicine. That's what we've done to create this COVID-19 crisis is people who don't know. Um, You know, it's unconstitutional. It's, You know, you're legislating medicine and you're not a doctor. You don't have 40 years. I'm a natural products chemist. I have a PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology, and I've spent 40 years making drugs out of plants and immune therapies out of your body's own biological response modifiers, including type 1 interferon. This is what I do. For somebody to say, oh, you can't use that because that person has autism. You know, oh, really? You know, so if you're an AIDS patient, acquired immune deficiency, HIV infected, you can get cannabis. But if you have PTSD, And, you know, the legislature has to decide whether or not you can have medical cannabis as a therapy. So it's like, are you kidding me? So there is no elevator pitch really with cannabis and the legislators, other than the fact that it's time to stop legislating medicine. Food is medicine. All the job of the legislature is, is to make sure the people are safe. The legislators there has done anything but. We are not safe now. We're all locked in our homes because of them, because of their lack of knowledge and their unwillingness to learn. So, um, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they've got an awful lot of blood on their hands, including with you know 75 years or 80 years of denying a natural product, a sacred plant, keeping it. Out of our world, one of the best single detoxing plants that we could ever consume as an edible, as a food. Food is medicine in our world.
0: So basically, they just need to get out of the way of science,
1: and and, you know, yeah, get out of the way of real science. And um, and 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 this is the problem. I mean, it's you know, why does everybody get to decide? I blame the media more than the legislators. I tell everybody turn off their TV. The easiest way to to produce anandamide in your body is turn off that TV. You see people in suits and one more infected in San Diego County. Really? You know, really? You shut down a world. You know, infection does not equal disease. And, and and then you see people in suits and masks spraying the streets. What are you spraying? So if you're spraying Roundup, uh, glyphosate, you've crippled the intracellular, the most powerful intracellular antioxidant, which is glutathione. You've crippled, you know... <laughs> Everything about the immune response to any toxin, including coronavirus, what are you spraying? What are you doing? Why are you making the people fearful? That has nothing to do with the transmission of a bat origin virus anywhere in the world. And and this is where the media needs to kind of stop it and get control of themselves because they're not PhD drug developers with and natural products chemists with 40 years experience either. Um, and, And they don't get to comment on science. You're you're, you know, this is this is where we're wrong. If a news lady tells you something's true and oh by the way, at the end of that newscast, look who sponsors it. Oh, Merck. The vaccine companies, big pharma, the people who say you can't use medicine, uh, cannabis is food or medicine, the people that outlawed this, the very pharmaceutical companies that won't let it be used.
0: It's criminal. It is. as far as I'm concerned, yeah so but okay, so compare this to the Ebola crisis i mean there was a there was a need, a dire need for people to use their ppes and and to yeah. decontaminate areas because that virus was far worse than this one is, and the mortality rate with infected people was far higher than covid nineteen so um, Correct.
1: So in Liberia, what your audience might not know is in Liberia, primarily in 2014, 21,000 people died of Ebola. And uh, you can argue that Ebola came out of Fort Detrick and Frederick, Maryland. And I know because I worked on it in the middle 90s. And so the kind of accelerated viral evolution which came you know from Wuhan and other places in America as we worked with the sars to to uh to understand it more if you will um, but that that crisis in two thousand and fourteen is actually quite similar, so it ended it ended um essentially when dr. Kent Brantley and there's a book that supports what i'm saying it's called. The book is called called for life by Kenton Amber Brantley. So that book talks about that doctor that got infected with Ebola and his nurse, Nancy. Um, and at that point, it, it was clear because they were the people who were spraying down with themselves in their suits, with their respirators, spraying down their clothes with, with Clorox and, and antiviral sprays and, and, and they got infected. So it, in fact, proved that that virus was also aerosolized or contagious, where you could sneeze it. And what our CDC and Tony Fauci and our government did then was, um, was redefine contagious. If measles spread and it coughed, it goes six feet. With Ebola, it only goes three feet. I mean, how stupid are we really as a people? But what happened at the end of the story is Kent Brantley's doctor, and his name is John Fankhauser, gave him anti-malarial drugs, hydroxychloroquine and and anti-malarial drugs so that he wouldn't be infected with a similar virus family so that his immune system could fight the one virus, hydrate him really well with saline so he didn't you know, get diarrhea to where he was too sick and bleed out, and then let a strong young man develop antibodies. And that is what cured Kent Brantley. He came back, he convalesced, he got well, and and his antibodies were used um, as those who aren't, you know, who are recovering convalescent and recovering, their antibodies can prevent others from dying, can be used. It's called intravenous immunoglobulin transfer, IVIG. So we can make those from the convalescent. This is killing far fewer people than they tell you it's killing. So the people who survive, the people who make antibodies, this is what I've been saying for the last four weeks, do the antibody test. It's available. It's a 15 minute test. If you have antibodies, you're immune. Doesn't matter where you saw it, where you were exposed. If you have antibodies, you're immune. If you get reinfected or re-exposed, doesn't matter. You have antibodies. You won't get as sick. It won't kill you. That's the basis of vaccine theory. And so what we should be doing is saying who is immune and putting whoever is immune out there back to work, Protecting those who are not immune and have not been exposed yet, and, and like my husband and myself, those with lung diseases, those among the susceptible, and, and letting that natural herd immunity, those strong young men and women, the kids who aren't getting sick, they're, they're being infected, but hey, they might have antibodies. Use those to protect the public put them back to work, put them in the restaurants, put them back in their businesses, and everybody will be well and you can protect those who are the most vulnerable.
0: You almost read my mind there because my next question was going to be related to the testing and especially the testing for the antibodies. I am absolutely perplexed about the fact that we do not have – widespread testing to see who's carrying, who's got the antibodies, how effective the herd immunity is, because obviously so many more of us have been exposed to this than who are in the hospital and sick. And you're right. We need to be using that information, the surveillance. It's been completely lacking in this country. What is going on here?
1: Well, that's where it's a plague of corruption, because they know that. The FDA knows that. Korea used those tests. Those tests have been available from Canada for at least six months. They're validated. They work. Um, you you know, you can confirm them with the sequence. You can confirm backwards. The government, the FDA said, oh, no, you can't do that. Just like the government and Tony Fauci said, oh, no, that... Plaquenil, the anti-malarial drugs, that's all anecdotal, which means storytelling. And it's not anecdotal. It's a 70-year-old on the WHO list, the, the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. It's not anecdotal, but our FDA has stopped the use of interferon alpha, again, for 50 cents a day. We could make this available to every single American. Think about the cost of this. The antidotes are right there on the shelf. And the FDA says, no, you can't have that. Um, No, you can't do that test. This is a point of care test, it's called. It takes 15 minutes. It's like a pregnancy test. You do a dipstick. You do a little bit of blood to see your blood sugar. And you right there see if you have IgG or IgM, meaning you've been exposed. And if you are, you're by definition immune, by the government's definition. So you can go out and protect somebody. So now we can say, hey, wait a minute, we're all immune. And they won't do that because they don't want you to know that, in fact, this isn't a crisis that requires us all to be home. We probably have developed natural herd immunity over the course of the last few years because there's no question this virus has been in our environment at least three years. And they won't let you prove that because, of course, then you prove the crimes against humanity and and the lies told by your Centers for Disease Control, you Tony Fauci and the FDA and every other government official. So the roadblocks are, you know, the government agencies who are committing, knowingly committing fraud. Mm. It, I mean, it happened with HIV. It happened with Ebola in 2016. 14. It happened with Zika in 2016. Happened with H1N1. 2010, bird flu, swine flu, H1N1, the pandemics. Look at the epidemic, the the fear.
0: So do you have any parting thoughts for us before we end?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think this is this is an era of great hope because i think i think what we're going to see is that that people realize that there are you, we can go back to Old um, ways of healthy living, of clean food, of cannabis, of sacred plants, back in our world as as healing medicine. That that we learn ourselves how to nurture our own endogenous cannabinoid system. How how to keep ourselves well through healthy living, you know, meditation, um, spiritual living, and and really loving one another in a, in a way that we get lost in in the stress. Uh, and and the daily hustle bustle of running to, you know, traffic in LA or whatever. Um, So I think we, this is, we have a really golden opportunity through love to really just change all of this. And and I think we will. I think we as a society and we as a people, we don't need to assess any kind of blame. Um, And we just, we need to each take advantage of our own situation and look at our families and and heal. And and I know cannabis is gonna be a big part of that.
0: Absolutely it will, and thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate all of your excellent advice, and we'll look forward to seeing you on April 4th on the Canna World Expo, so thanks for that too.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, looking forward to it, so I'll give a much more mechanism and and pictures of where we're going with all of this in that show.
0: It's been great speaking with you again, so thank you, Dr. Judy.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it so
0: much. So. Before we bring this to a close, I just want to remind everyone to check out the Canna World Expo and the symposium that goes along with it. It's going to be taking place on Saturdays in the next couple of weeks. And if you miss it, you can also access the entire symposium online and I'll make sure to share the links with you. So once again, I'd like to personally thank our guest, Dr. Judy Mikovits, for sharing her insights and knowledge with us today. To learn more about her work and her books, please visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. There you will find her bio along with links to her websites. We have so many others to thank. First, I'd like to express our gratitude to our radio partners, Canisphere Biotech and Blue Mountain Energy. We certainly couldn't be doing this without you. I'd also like to thank our team here at the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show for always making us shine. And of course, it goes without saying how much we appreciate our programming directors at XRQK Radio Network and Society Bites Radio for distributing our show. And last, but certainly not least, thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Snowden Bishop inviting you to join me again next week, same time, same place, for another episode of the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show. Until we meet again, be safe, stay inside, share what you've learned, and make it a great day.